Max, can you hear me? Okay, well, that's not good. Test, test, test. Brian, you with me? Test, okay. You all in the back here, okay? Mark, okay. What, what do you mean this? Don't, don't give me that. Well, that's not there. Okay, how about this? Okay, well, we're going to go with whatever. Uh, let's pray. Father, once again, we just uh, humble ourselves and just um, this morning want to sit at your feet and just uh, learn from you and uh, learn your ways, which are not our ways. And Father, we, especially these, these just a couple of verses, um, there are great truths here for the walk, the Christian walk that we are all in. And so, Father, but we need you to lead us through this. And, uh, Father, that uh, my words might be your words. In Jesus' name. Okay, if you have Hebrews 12. Oh, not good. First couple of verses. Let me just read those. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and, and not lose heart. So we, we started this a couple weeks ago where we first looked at the definition of faith in Hebrews 11, the first three verses. And then we looked at the examples to reinforce what we learned about faith in the first couple of verses. The heroes of the faith, the testifiers, if you will, in Hebrews 11, 4 through 38. And now we're at Hebrews 12, the first couple verses. And this is what I've titled application. It's probably a lot more than that. But my goal in this was to understand as much as possible about these words in the original Greek. Uh, what, were, what did these words mean? With, with, toward the, the whole uh, point of how then should we walk? It's kind of like Francis Schaeffer, you know, a few decades ago who had his book, How Then Should We Live? I think it was a tape series too. Well, this would really be How Then Should We Walk? And so walking, taking steps, is implicit in that. So what, what steps uh, should we take? Well, the most important thing that we'll learn, and we've seen already, is that uh, Jesus is the object of our faith. It's not in us. It's not how much we can conjure up. And he is all sufficient uh, for uh, this in, in, as we walk. So how I want to do this is we're going to go through all the words in these first few verses. We'll skip some ands and does, but um, I want to sort of unpack these few verses word by word if we can. 
and uh, to really try to get at the ground truth of what the meaning is of these verses in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Primarily 1 through 2, and we'll just wrap up with 3 at the end. So if you have your Bibles and you're, you're set up at Hebrews 12, 1, then uh, hang on and we'll look at what these words really mean. Just, and, and I know you probably already know these things, but it's just a good reminder. So what does this word mean? What does it mean in the Greek? And then what would we interpret this in the English? So he starts off, therefore. Well, therefore is a particle of speech introducing a conclusion with some special emphasis or formality. Uh, the synonyms would be wherefore, then, for which, reason, consequently, but really, therefore. So this is important because this is sort of a, a transition to these are the this is the conclusion that we want to have. Uh, therefore, since we, that's just a personal pronoun, since we, all of us, collectively, have, and this word have here in the Greek, it's the word uh, echo, echo, to hold in the hand in the sense of wearing, which I thought was interesting. So we want to we wear this, sort of like putting on the Lord Jesus is in another verse. We want to wear this to hold fast, to keep. So since we have, uh, which is to hold fast, so great, uh, and this word, so great, a cloud of witnesses, but the word great could be a, a couple of things. And probably the best way to look at this is if we have so vast. We have so vast of all these Old Testament saints that have gone before us. We have so vast a cloud, which again, a cloud of witnesses. A cloud, what does that mean? Well, it denotes a, a cloudy, shapeless mass covering the heavens, which we kind of look up and see those. But um, Metaphorically, it's really a dense multitude, a throng. And it's interesting that this use of the word cloud is the only use. It's only used right here. So it's uniquely descriptive. Um, this um, mass covering the heavens of our, the dense multitude or throng. And a cloud of what? A throng of what? Well, of witnesses. Uh, that word uh, is martis or martus, uh, one who bears witness by his death. Now, it could be literal or figurative, but and if it's figurative, it's just death to self, which certainly applies here. But uh, one who bears witness by his death. Um, if you just turn, uh, keep your finger there and turn back to Acts um, and, we, and I want to look at Stephen just briefly because this is, we're not going to kill ourselves with cross-references, but I want to look at, at Stephen here and what he saw. And so this is in, uh, we'll start in Acts 6, I believe. Um, so in, just briefly in Acts 6, in verse 7, and the word of God kept on spreading. And the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And in verse 8, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Um, and uh, that always makes for some uh, resentment, right? And yet the, these people that uh, wanted to attack him, and yet they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit 
with which he was speaking. And so now if we look at um, 7, and of course he's put in front of the priests, and, and um, it's a similar word in verse 15 of, of, of Acts 6, and fixing their gaze on him. We'll see, we want to we fix our gaze on someone else. We'll see that, that later. Uh, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. And in chapter 7, and the high priest said, are these things so? So Stephen, just by the Holy Spirit, just tells a history of the, of the Hebrew nation and their faith. And he said, hear me, brethren and fathers, exclamation mark, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham, and he goes on and on and on through this whole history uh, of the faith. There should be nothing uh, insulting about this, of course, until he gets to the end and, and brings it all together in the Lord Jesus. Uh, now if we jump to uh, verse 54, and so um, he talks about, uh, let me just back up. In um, verse uh, 50, was it not my hand which made all these things? And in 51, you men who are stiff-necked, that probably sat well, and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Um, which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you now have become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. And so um, in 54, now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He saw these things. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Um, and then in, in uh, 59, And they went on stoning Stephen, and he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen is probably one of the more, more notable that we're told more about uh, of these uh, witnesses, testifiers surrounding us, but he's a great example. And we'll see later on, you know, how the Lord Jesus now is at the right hand of the Father. The right hand is the seat of power, and so that's what Stephen had seen. I mean, this is scientific. He observed this. He saw this, and he saw uh, the Father, and he saw, to some extent, mostly the Lord Jesus uh, sitting at his right hand. So that's a great example of witnesses, of uh, Martus, one who bears witness by his death. Um, and it's also a witness uh, judicially, a witness in the legal sense. So this is, this is pretty strong as well as, as historical. Now if we jump back to, to Hebrews 12, the first couple verses, and so we're still in, in uh, verse 1, and so we have this great cloud of witnesses of whom Stephen is one surrounding us. Surrounding, the word surrounding is interesting. Uh, it, the vines says it's to lie all around to, or to be compassed 
So completely encircling us, we have this cloud of witnesses. And it's also in, 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 in terms of binding fetters. So it's not moving away. I mean, this cloud of witnesses surrounding us, encompassing us, encircling us. We, we can't not get away from these testifiers. Us is, again, uh, the same as we. It's a personal pronoun. Um, and so this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And then to go on in verse 1, let us also. And so, again, this is one of those little conjunction connections here of, um, uh, of uh, moreover also, or let's, let's go on with this, let us also. And then um, going on in this verse, um, let us also lay aside, this is one word in the Greek, lay aside, apotathemi, if you could say that right, Rob could, I can't. Uh, and it's really, uh, to, to lay aside uh, probably doesn't do it all the justice that we want. It's, it's really to, uh, like casting off weights. I always think of the gym with this. You know, you're laying aside, you're casting off weights. To put off from oneself, to cast off, as in releasing, throwing off he heavy, burdensome weights. And uh, figuratively, these are the works of darkness. Um, uh, you know, casting off, shedding weight. So, um, laying aside. Um, in uh, Romans 13, I'll, I'll just read this. Romans 13, um, 12. Let me just read that. Romans 13, uh, 12 to 14. Um, the night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside, same word, lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Lusts, And so this is, again, a little different perspective on what we're getting at here in Hebrews uh, 12. So let us lay aside, cast off as a heavy weight, um, every, all-inclusive, all things, every encumbrance. Um, and what does encumbrance mean? It's just one word in the Greek. A bulk or mass as a weight. As, and also, it's descriptive because it's sort of uh, as bending or bulging by its load. It's kind of how we feel sometimes, this, this burdensome weight, these weights that, that weigh us down. It's a heavy burden. Um, and so this is like a bulk mass, an encumbrance. Uh, and another connection here, so it's, it's related, the encumbrance and the sin which is, we know what sin is, we all know what sin is, a missing of the mark, um, a sin, offense, um, to wander from the law of God or to violate God's law. We all know in our conscience what a sin is, to miss the mark, to err, to be mistaken, uh, to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor. So, sin, an encumbrance. 
So you must lay aside every encumbrance which holds us back from seeing him. Every encumbrance and the sin which, um, and that word which is, is like the definite article, the, which, and uh, so easily entangles us. That's one word in the Greek, which is interesting. I'm not going to pronounce it. Uh, so easily entangles us. And it's sort of um, um, the opposite of standing well, if you will. Um, which doth so easily beset or uh, encompasses us. So here's a different use of that sense. Sin as having advantage in favor of its prevailing role um, and its um, entangling is like well standing around us uh, as a competitor, thwarting a racer in every direction. That's sort of the picture here. Uh, sin as, as you know, standing around us, uh, skillfully surrounding or besetting us. Uh, we've all felt this too. So, so easily entangles us. Um, and so if we throw off these things, just in the Lord Jesus, in His strength, throw these, just cast them off, and not a lot of work involved in that. Actually, I could go into physics here, but I won't. Uh, the, there, there's no work, really, until you get a force through a distance. But So, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, I'm not going to say like falling off a rock, but we're kind of there. You know, we, we cast off these things that so easily entangle us. And that allows us, the next part of this verse... And let us run, if we've cast off, now we're unburdened, we've cast off these heavy weights, these burdens, and let us run, or to run in a race for a reward. Let us run. And of course the picture is runners again in a race, or to exert oneself, strive hard, uh, to, speed, uh, to spend one's strength to attain a goal. That's, that's the race. And so let us run this race. And so we're in this race. And so it's uh, some win and some don't. And so we're in this race. Uh, let us run, and it's with endurance. And this word with here is, denotes the channel of an act, or through. So you could say through, and let us run through, which is causality, uh, through uh, endurance. And uh, this word, uh, hupomone, Patience, patient enduring, um, and I like this, this word connection. It's kind of awkward. It's kind of like reading the Amplified. Uh, remaining under single-purposed, or you could say a single-purposed, focused, remaining under, uh, or uh, in deference to, or uh, subservient, subservient to. And so we all know what endurance means, steadfastness, constancy, but I like this, a single purpose remaining under. So it's not just about us. We're being subservient to the Lord here, and that gives us this sustaining uh, perseverance to the utmost. So let us run with endurance the race. And so a race, again, is a contest of athletes, inner conflict of the soul, lots of pictures of this. Um, the arena of contest or assembly, and that's the sense. It's sort of like the Greek national games. There's, there's a, a, an arena here with a contest, struggle, battle, or trial. So that's the race. Um, that, 
again, the definite article that is set before us. So the, the term set before, prokemai, is a set before or it's be first, it's ahead of us. Uh, or another way to say it, it's to lie before the view. I thought that was interesting. It's set before us, it lies before our view. Um, and, so to, and also to be appointed ahead of us, to be at hand. And us, we know what that is. So that was sort of fast and furious here. But let me, I also did some English-sized Greek, English New Testament here. So we can read it uh, clearer, more, more clear. And this is Hebrews 12.1 in summary of what we just looked at. So therefore, also, we, having lying around us such a cloud of witnesses, putting away every encumbrance and the most besetting sin, let us run. Notice, it's not walk. It's let us run this race or contest that's set before us. And so that's just Hebrews 12.1. Let's go on to 12.2. And so the question is, is, so we want to run this race. Well, how? It begs the question, okay, we have this race. We want to cast off all the encumbrances and the things that so easily entangle us. We want to run with endurance. Okay, how? So Hebrews 12, 2. Let me just read that real quick, just to, to remind her. Um, Romans 12, 2 is not going to do it. Uh, so Hebrews 12, 2. That's more coordinated, it'd really help. Okay, Hebrews 12, 2. And we've heard it again, but just as a reminder, uh, so how do we run this race with endurance? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And you could just set a while on each one of those words. So that's what we're going to do. So uh, fixing our eyes, what does this mean? This, this means to concentrate the gaze on, but it also means to look away from one thing. The, the, uh, the word is um, aphorio, and so that ap is part of apo in the Greek, and that means to look, look away from one thing to another. So we have to look away from one thing as so as to see another, uh, to look in t attentively, or um, I really like the hymn, Turn Your Eyes uh, Upon Jesus. It's a great picture here of what this is, to look attentively, to turn the eyes away from other things and fix them on something. So this is all not about us. The object of this is the Lord Jesus, fixing our eyes on Him. Uh, just a couple of things about the eyes th that I've always found interesting. The eyes are the lamp of the body. And so if we just turn back to Matthew 6 for a second, I'll just turn there and just read it. At Matthew 6, and this is Matthew 6, 22 and 23. So the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. And these are the words of the Lord Jesus here. And so, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And so, 
pretty important to the Lord here, the eyes as the lamp uh, of the body. And so we want to fix, fixing our eyes on, of course that's a, a simple connection here, to or into a place of time or towards, but it, on we can go with. And on who? Jesus. And the word here is this, really means the Son of God incarnate. And this is his personal name. So the Son of God incarnate as his personal name. And the word Jesus also is Jehovah is salvation. Or Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of mankind, or again, God incarnate. So that's who we fix our eyes on. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. Well, the word author is, uh, it's, it's a combination, really. It's, we think of authors as, okay, the guy wrote a book. Not that's not the complete meaning here. It's author in the sense of leader and source. He's certainly the leader of our faith. He's also the source of this power to live the Christian life. So it's a combination, and it's a personal, personal term. So it's not just an impersonal source of energy or power. It's the leader and the source, uh, the prince or author of life who has life from himself. And, of course, he's the example, the predecessor, the pioneer, the leader. It's so he, the G Jesus, is the chief leader and source um, of our faith. And so we'll, let's go on. It's, it's not complete. Can, can we go back one second? You have a second, Kevin. Okay. So, <clears throat> okay, time's No, I'm just kidding. Uh, lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Those are two different things. They are. And the weight... But they're not disconnected. Matthew, uh, they're still related, though. Not necessarily. Okay, tell me. If you look at Matthew 6, 19, uh, which is right before the section that you're talking about with the eye as the lamp of the body, and if your eye is healthy, it's talking about possession. And that if your focus is on this world, then your, your, your lamp is darkness, right? So I think that those, I think that that hindrance... So that was Matthew 6? Yeah, you, you just read 22. Right, so 19? Yeah, if you start at 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves rather treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I think the hindrance can be... Not just necessarily sin, but anything that takes us away from Well, I mean, uh, yeah, the word encumbrance, and he, and he, I mean, the author here, by the Holy Spirit, writes it, encumbrance and the sin. Mm -hmm. So those are two items. I don't think they're completely disconnected, because sin certainly entangles us and it's an encumbrance. But you're right, they're listed here two distinct things for a reason. And so I, I think there is some, some uh, they're each unique in a sense. Uh, but what's the whole point? Cast off these things, exactly, uh, that so easily entangle us uh, and uh, fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay, so um, where are we here? Uh, the author uh, and perfecter. This word, uh, perfecter, uh, is interesting. This is this is the only use of this word, perfecter. Um, it's the finisher. Uh, 
He is the agent of perfecting our faith. We're not the agent. He is. He does this. He performs this in our lives as we fix our eyes on Him. So the, the author and perfecter. Um, I, I like Galatians 3.3 3 here uh, that says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Well, that's how we live sometimes. We get really mechanical and, and we're, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this better. And, 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 and you know, it's not that hard because that's impossible. Um, are you so foolish, having been begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected, being perfected by the flesh? Galatians 3.3. 3. The answer is no. No, it's not going to work that way. Um, and so this word perfecter, um, a completer, um, uh, consummate in character, um, and a finished per per uh, perfection. Um, just to, uh, I'll just read this, Proverbs 3. I know you're familiar with this passage too. Uh, you're familiar with all this stuff, but it's good to just be reminded. Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Humility is a part of this. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And He wouldn't command this if it wasn't possible. So fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first of your produce and on and on and on. But the key there is, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on Him for understanding. And so that's how we're perfected in the faith, is leaning on Him more and more increasingly. And so, perfecter of faith. Now, we've talked about this word faith a lot in these these three weeks, but um, that is the word pistis, and it's an assurance or guarantee, a pledge. And it's not the faith itself, it's the object of that faith. And we always think of it in just human terms, belief, faith, fidelity, yeah, that's good, but it has to be reliance upon Christ for salvation and continuance in this life and walk. So the point is uh, not the engine, if you will, of faith itself, but it's the object of, of uh, that faith, who is uh, Christ the Lord. Uh, and, the, and in who, and this is as if to say in, in 12.2, who, you could say this one, Jesus, we're continuing on here, um, for uh, the joy, and so for is, um, is uh, you know, and it's, it's different uses, but it's sort of an anti Use it's uh, it's it's for but in the room of or over against or opposite to so we're overcoming something in this for um, of that for which anything is given so for uh, the joy uh, joy delight gladness cheerfulness we kind of know what that is uh, and the fullness and it's not partial here the word indicates the fullness of that joy springing from faith as the vine says uh, joyousness or the cause or occasion of joy the blessedness the Lord enjoys so that's really what this is about 
this joy that was set before him, prokamai, or to lie, or again, we've seen this before, to lie or be placed before or in front of him, himself, he, the Lord Jesus. And so um, he endured. Uh, the next little section here, he endured. Uh, again, we've seen endure under. It's to abide under, remain in a place, to persevere. It's uh, be sub- subject to, to endure bravely and trustfully, knowing for who that is, uh, with fortitude and patiently. The cross, we know what that is, despising. And so that's to really think or look down upon, to think slightly of. Uh, the shame, uh, the, with contempt, the shame here in shame, we know what that is to ignominy, uh, disgrace, dishonor. So he bore that to provide this great gift for us. Uh, and so he endured the cross, despising the shame. And so this is a, a connection, not only, but also has sat down, uh, which means to sit down or dwell uh, at which is, you know, at the right hand of God. And so that's a primary. This at is a fixed position or place. What I like also is the state. That's the state that the Lord Jesus was in, at the right hand of the power as opposed to the left. The right hand is really in, in, conjunct, in connection with armor as well as power. So the, the place of honor and authority. Um, let me just read so this. This right hand, sitting at the right hand of the Father, is is uh, pretty significant. Um, if uh, let me just read in uh, back in the same book here in Hebrews. Um, that was only faster. I should have Barb up here helping me. Okay, Hebrews 1.3, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. You know I'd gravitate back to this at some point. Anything creation. Right? Okay, we can move on now. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so this is pretty clear. There are lots of references here, like uh, Stephen saw it. Um, and also, if we just move ahead to Hebrews 10, 12, we'll see this repeatedly. Um, Hebrews 10, 12, let me just read that. Um, but he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Waiting, in verse 13, from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. So everything's not complete yet. You have to go to Revelation and other places for that. But at this point, he has, uh, he has sat down at the right hand of the Father. So uh, we see that. You know, there are lots of cross-references here that I, that I won't go over. Um, one thing, though, it's interesting in that account of Stephen. Uh, notice he sees the Father, but he sees the Lord Jesus standing at his right hand. The, the heavens were open and Stephen saw this. But did you notice that Jesus is standing at that point? He's standing to welcome Stephen in. He's gotten up from sitting at the right hand and he's standing to welcome Stephen in. 
So um, pretty interesting. That's in, in Acts 7. So he's at the right hand of the throne. We know what that is, stately seat of power, the seat of kings and of divine power, um, and, or the chair of state. And it also has a footstool, which we see in other verses that I, that I won't take the time. He's at the, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, Theos, which, we could, which really means the one true God, um, which could be interpreted as Elohim or Jehovah. Elohim is the power. Jehovah is the preeminence, unoriginated, immutable, eternal, and self-sustained existence. That's the eternal God. Uh, here we could, we could write uh, here, God the Father, because he's being compared with Jesus, who's sit, now sitting at his right hand. So, um, as I did with the first verse, let me just read the Englishized uh, Greek version of this, just in summary. Uh, I'm not going to publish this or anything, but um, it, I, you know, I, I wanted to put it, again, in this kind of language that, that connects the Greek and the English with what the Word is saying. So Hebrews 12:2, looking away to the author and finisher of the faith, Jesus, who, for the joy set before him, endured a cross, despising shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So I, I can't do it any more justice than that. We just have to kind of sit in awe in front of these verses. But maybe with this understanding, we, we can learn more how to walk. And I guess, I guess that's the application. So how would we summarize this? What are the points? Well, faith, as we've seen, is not something that we conjure up. It's in terms of the object of that faith, the Lord Jesus himself. In Galatians 2.20, I know one of Kelly's favorite verses, mine too. It's, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not about us. It's about him. And the sooner we start to really try to understand that, it'll affect how we walk, I'm convinced. We know now, I mean, we knew before, but he is the author and source combined, the author and source and finisher of the faith in us. We don't somehow grit this out and finish this ourselves. He is the finisher in us. He accomplishes it. Um, and he sits at the right hand of the power, the throne of God. He endured the cross, despising the shame, winning the conflict by the joy set before him. Again, it's not in us. It's all in him. So we look away to Jesus by looking away from our flesh, sin, this fallen world, to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Him. What does that mean? Well, um, fixing our eyes on Him would be in terms of His, his um, first, casting off that weight that keeps us from this, those, those things that overburden us, and also how, by running the race, now less burdened with endurance. So this is... I guess we all knew that this was a conflict, so it is. It's a contest, and, uh, but the application is so simple. It's by looking away from all we see around us to Jesus himself. So I mean, this is the Christian walk. Uh, again, how then 
should we walk, as Francis Schaeffer might say. It's simple, fixing our eyes on Jesus, uh, his presence, and in his word. His presence within and dwelling in his word. Um, and, you know, this is, all we, this is all we're tasked to do. Uh, when Jesus is asked, what's the most important thing? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what does that mean? He doesn't say, well, you know, you've got to have quiet times and you've got to have like at least an hour of prayer in the morning. You've got to do this and got to do that. What is that? It's doing. It's, it's as opposed to uh, the simple fixing our eyes on him. And all these other things will happen. They'll all follow in line. But what's our job is to fix our eyes on him. Uh, you know, there's a great uh, parallel passage. And this, really, the point of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is this is a really a, an encapsulation of the whole Christian life. It's all here. This is, this is really what we should be about. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a similar passage because it sort of captures the entire uh, Christian walk. Let me just read that for you. Romans 12. So it's just as sort of a peripheral looking at this. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Just present ourselves to Him. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That's it. That's all of it as sort of a synopsis of what this is about. Um, let me, uh, just to reinforce some of the things, and, you know, Amplified's a little awkward to read in public, but I'm going to do it. Um, if, if we just want to read these verses, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, just listen now to how the Amplified uh, uh, presents this. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who have borne testimony of the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and the sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Looking away or from all that will distract so looking away from that to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So that's a pretty good uh, summary. Uh, and a pro probably a good place to end. Uh, any questions or comments? I'm not telling you all this because I really understand it all. And I've I really succeeded in this. No, no. I'm just a dadgum sinner like everybody else. And I'm struggling with this. And I, I, my focus every day is I want to you know, turn my, my eyes to him as much as I possibly can. So um, not an expert. I don't think there are experts except the Lord himself. So... Um, with that, any questions or comments or oh, oh come on again, I can't shut you some of you guys up most of the time. <laughs> Jay, I know you're thinking of something. You're fixing your gaze on me like, okay. 
So I'm just responding to that gaze. I'm just kidding you. I'm just giving you a hard time. There you go. That's, that's, that's the application. Lukey, what? No. It's a measure of his faithfulness, and as we are 